0: All of us want to be the best version of ourselves, but often things get in the way. We can get in our own way. Knowing what our best looks like is one of the biggest struggles of being the best of you. Well, good morning, church. My name is John Gwynn, I'm one of the elders, and this morning I'm gonna be preaching on uh, James chapter three, where James talks about our words and our tongue. Um, But for those of you who were here the last time that I preached, I know what the pressing question is, and um, I did have all my tattoos removed, (laughs) so. And I know what Josh is thinking, how many times is this guy going to do a tattoo joke? (laughs) This is the last one, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But this morning, uh, James chapter 3. James talks a lot about our words and the power of our words. And at the same time, he talks about how they can be used for good and how our words can be used for evil. But the reality is, and I think most of you can testify to this, that it's hard. Our words are hard to control. The things we say, it's a challenge for us. Maybe even this morning on your way to church, you argued with your kids or you fought with your wife on the way coming here this morning. I can assure you that Ann and I did not fight. We did drive separately, though, so (laughs) that is, take that for what it's worth. But actually, full transparency, this message has been a hard one for me. Um, Ann and I have had some tension and tension with our words. I feel like God wants to say something in this message today. And there was a lot of fighting um, in battle going on in the spiritual realm. And it was a challenge. It was a challenge for us to put this together um, and for me to speak about it today. But I feel like by doing that, I have some good illustrations for this morning. So that's. I hope you appreciate our dedication to the, to the church in that way. So, But James says in chapter 3... Verse 1 and 2, he says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. So, Teachers have a greater judgment and strictness. Seems like kind of a setup when Josh gave me this message. (laughs) So, but, you know, in reality, you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not teaching. I'm glad I'm I'm not a teacher. But number one, we all know that we all teach. We all teach our kids. We teach people around us. And also, James says that all of us uh, struggle with this. So you're not off the hook that easy. So, he's telling us that we have a lot of responsibility in the things that we say. We have a lot of responsibility in our words, and at the same time, our words have great power. So, why does this matter so much? What's the big deal about our words? James says, the tongue, it may be small, but it has great power. Let's read from James 3, 3 to 5, where it says this. If you put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire." So James talks first about a bit in the mouth of a horse Obviously, that's kind of an illustration of something small controlling a great animal. And in the same way, our tongues may not be a big part of our bodies, but it has the potential for great power. And also with the rudder of a ship, the rudder, most of the time we don't even see the rudder unless the boat is out of the water, it's not even something you can see, but that ship is controlled by that rudder. And he also mentions that the pilot, at the will of the pilot, that that rudder is controlled, which is an interesting thing that he adds there in that section of the scripture. So in the same way, our tongue is like a spark. How many times have we seen things in the news where We hear about forest fires where some small little thing happens. A spark causes millions of acres of land, thousands of acres of land to be destroyed because of fire. And in the same way, our words have that same potential. Now, he's talking here, obviously, he's talking about destruction when he's talking about that spark with the fire. But we're going to see that there's also the potential for good with our words, it's not all just about bad things happening, but we have the potential, if we allow ourselves to be changed by God, we have the potential to use words with great power. So yes, James says that there's power in our words and that we are responsible for the things that we say. So yes, James did officially Before Spider-Man's Uncle Ben said it, it's on the record, he said it first, with great power comes great responsibility. And that's actually true. The great power that we yield with our tongues, there's a lot of responsibility behind that. The words we speak, they have great impact on those around us. And James is telling us that we need to take it seriously So, all we need to do is control our tongues. Sounds easy, right? What's the big deal? Well, James talks a little further about how hard it is um, at uh, verse 7 and 8 of chapter 3. Let's read that. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed, By mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, sounds kind of discouraging, doesn't it? But the reality is, what James is saying here is, we can't do it on our own. We just can't do this on our own. We desperately need God's help. We need his grace to take control of the things we say. You see, the issue is we can't just use our self-control to do it. It's not just about self-control, because it's a deeper issue. It's a matter of the heart. It really is a question of our hearts. When it comes to changing how we speak to others, we need to look inside of ourselves. Jesus says in Matthew 12, when he's speaking to the Pharisees about heart and about the things that they say, he says this, you brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of our hearts the mouth speaks. If we're struggling with the things we say, the first thing we need to do, and I'm talking to myself when I say this, the first thing is to look inside of ourselves. It's about our hearts. You see, what we say, it's a reflection of who we are as a person. Stop and think about that for a second. What we say is a reflection of who we are as a person. If you can control the things you say, you can control what you do. That's what James says. The challenge is we can't control what we say without God's help without God working on our heart. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes it's so easy when we say something that we regret saying to look at the other person and, and not inside of ourselves. The truth is we're talking about spiritual heart surgery And I can tell you from personal experience that heart surgery is not fun. But in reality, it's what we desperately need God to do. We need God to come and to change our hearts. If our words are such a reflection of our hearts, we desperately need that. Okay, so now we know we need to change our hearts, but how do we do that? How do we go about doing that? The truth is that our hearts change Through relationship with Christ and through relationship with others. Our hearts change through relationship with Christ and through relationship with others. So let's first look at relationship with Him. So, what does that look like? What does relationship with Christ look like? You know, a lot of times, you know, you say, well, just read your Bible, pray. Check boxes, kind of a thing. But as in most things with our Christian lives, God desperately wants relationship with his people. And relationship only comes through time, it only comes through pressing in and humbly putting our hearts before God in prayer and in reading his word and in allowing God to take a hold of our heart and to change us. And that takes time. It takes time to allow God to change us, to move inside of us. We also need to have our hearts changed through relationship with others. Proverbs chapter 27, 17 says this. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You know, as I was thinking about this iron sharpening iron, this rubbing together of metals, um, I work in machine tool industry, I sell into that industry, and uh, there's a a machine called a big, they have these big vibratory bowls. And when they stamp out pieces of metal, Uh, there can be sharp edges on those pieces. So as I was thinking about this, what they do is they take all those pieces and they put them into this big bowl. And inside of that bowl is some water, but there's also a bunch of abrasive stones throughout the whole bowl. So they stick all those pieces in there and the bowl shakes and all those pieces are rubbing against each other and they're wearing the edges, all of those sharp edges off of the pieces. And I think that's a picture of relationship with each other. A lot of time we want to just say, okay, let's just we'll just pray, we'll spend time with God and do this. But the reality is that there's hard work to do in our relationship with God, but there's also hard work to do with our relationship with other people. And if we avoid those deep relationships, if we avoid those hard conversations those rough edges that are built up on us, they're not going to be taken off. The reality is that that's really the only way that our heart can be changed is through relationship with him, through seeking that relationship, desiring to have that relationship, but also allowing our hearts to be open to the relationships of those around us. And the reality is it's the same thing. It's the same answer as I said about a relationship with Christ. How does that happen? time dedication a soft pliable heart humble heart that's al- that's open to change and i'm talking to myself just as much as i'm talking to you when i say this this morning we need each other we need relationship with him we need relationship with each other in order to change our hearts so let's look at some areas that our words are being used. The first thing, the obvious thing to think of is in times of conflict. That's the first thing that's easy to think of. One of the key areas we struggle with is that. The things we say when we're upset, the things we say in an angry situation are oftentimes the things that are the most hurtful and the things that we re- regret. Now I know I'm not the only one that struggles with this, that it's something that can be a challenge for all of us. If you're sitting here today thinking about, boy, that other person needs to really hear this message, there's a really good chance that uh, that other person is thinking, boy, you need to really hear that message. So why is this so hard? What's, what's the situation that makes this so hard? The reality is that we're broken. Our hearts are broken, and we need God's healing touch on them. It's so easy to look at the other person and say, you know, if you didn't say it this way, I wouldn't have said it the way I said it. And I'm talking to myself here. I'm being transparent, like I said with my illustrations today. I'm preaching to the choir and to myself. (laughs) It's so easy to say, well, you started it. If you didn't do this, I wouldn't have done that, right? And the reality is that for, uh, for Ann and I, it's been a hard few years. I mean, COVID, everything that's happened, a lot of loss, a lot of you can relate to that situation. So what does that do? It makes our hearts hurt and it causes scars. And if we are too busy looking at our own hurts and not seeing outside of ourselves when it comes to the things that we say, conflict is going to happen. We need to stop looking at our own hurts and try and see those that we're having conflict with through the eyes of Christ. That's the challenge that we have there was a social study done um, in the 1980s where a bunch of scientists uh, brought together some people to do a study. And what they did was they, were, they, were, they told the different people, we're doing a study where we want to see how people react to people that have uh, physical uh, problems where they don't look nice. They have scarring on their face. And we are doing this study to see how the general populace reacts to that. So what we're going to do is we're going to put makeup on you and we're going to make your face look scarred and disfigured. So that's what they did. They took makeup and they put these nasty scars on people's faces. And they showed it to them in the mirror. They said, okay, this is, you know, this is what you look like. And um, just before they sent the people out, to go about their day. They just said, just go about, do what you normally do, and come back at the end of the day, and we're just gonna ask you some questions. So just before the people walked out the door, each one of them, they said, hold on a second, we need to touch up the makeup on your face. And what they did was, without telling them, they took the scar off. So those people walked out the door, convinced that they had a scar on their face, but in reality, they didn't have any scar on their face. So they went out about their day, they did their thing, and when they came back and they talked to the researchers, the researchers asked them, so how did it go, how was your day? And so many of those people were convinced that people treated them differently. They knew that that scar that wasn't there cause people around them to treat them differently. It's just an illustration of what we do, isn't it? We have all these preconceived notions and hurts and things that we carry around, these invisible scars that we have inside of us, that when we hear something that somebody says to us, what do we do? We put it through the scar filter, right? We let those things that have built up over time, the hurts that we have, the things that we haven't dealt with. And we let those things be a filter to the way that we perceive how people treat us. And that's what gets us in trouble. That's the stuff that allows us to react the way that we do. And it gives a little better understanding of what this heart thing that causes our, our tongue to do the thing it does. So I have a question today for you, and this is a challenge I'm asking myself. What are your invisible scars today? What are those things that you have, those things that through time, and a lot of them can be from years, it can be from when you're a kid in school, those little things that were said, the issues that were done to you, that cause you to have those invisible scars that make us react the way that we do, and say things that we were saying to others. So we mentioned earlier that the things we say in times of conflict can do damage for a lifetime. It's kind of a weighty thing. Well, the irony is, if we can create scars, that we can create scars in others, because we haven't dealt with our own scars. They can go full circle. We can create scars in those around us because we haven't dealt with them ourselves. The good news is, though, there is good news. I know this is kind of a heavy one. But there is good news. That Jesus has grace over us for these things. He will forgive us for the things that we say and it's just as important to ask for forgiveness from those around us. That's a critical part. We are all, it's not a question of if we're going to say the wrong thing, let's be honest. It's a question of when, but one of the most important things that you can do just as you go to Jesus and he has grace for you, he understands where you are at. In the same way, it's critically important that you go to those that you have wronged and ask for forgiveness. I think it's a powerful thing. If, as a parent, if you can't ask forgiveness from your kids, that's a problem. You need to be able to do that. And it makes a difference if you can come and just say, you know what? I screwed up. Please forgive me. So that's important. It's a critical part of restoring and keeping relationships. So, the next thing I was thinking of when I was thinking about words, it's not only in relationships with with one person, one-on-one, or in a small group. It's also really important how we represent ourselves with our words to the world around us. Uh, Scott McKnight, who... Did a commentary on the book of James. He said this quote when he was referring to what James was saying here. He said, when the tongue is unleashed from its hinges, it destabilizes and deals death to the community. And when James was talking earlier, when he referred to the spark and the fire, he was saying, you know, when you do stuff, boy, it can spread. And think about the time of James. That was true then. You know, you could say something, you could spare it could spread through your community. Think about the responsibility that we have today when it comes to social media and the internet and the things that we put out there for all to see. There is a greater responsibility today in our words when it comes to how we present ourselves as Christians to those around us. Let's read from James chapter 3, verse 9. James says this, with it, referring to the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Think about this for a moment when you consider the things that you put on the internet, the things that you say online, on social media. I have a question for you. Could it be possible, I know this is a crazy idea, that people that have the opposite political view from you may possibly be made in the likeness of God? I know, I know it's crazy. But that's the reality. And the way our society is today and the controversy that you hear with the missiles being shot back and forth across the bow, the reality is that we're all made in God's image. And that's really easy to forget when you hear and see all these things that frustrate you. So statistics have shown, and this isn't going to be a a big surprise, I think, to most of us, that the church in America is on the decline in a lot of ways. And we need to take responsibility as believers to represent Christ as he wants us to represent him. And that includes the things we say. Tim Keller wrote an article recently um, and the title of it is the, De- the Decline and the Renewal of the American Church. It's actually very good if you do a search for that. Uh, there's a PDF you can download it. It's also a blog post. The Decline and the Renewal of the American Church. He says this and that. And he's referring to the church when he says it. The church has no ability to engage opposing views with patience, humility, Hope and tolerance, or to serve alongside non believers with appreciation for their common grace. That's pretty heavy. And if the church, if we as the church, can't figure this out, then we're going to become more and more irrelevant in our society. So we need to seek God. The truth is for all this stuff. Not only to change our hearts, but also to give us wisdom when we speak into different situations because situations change. There's not a cookie-cutter response that you can give to situations. We need God's wisdom. Another area, and I think when James was referring, referring to that spark and that fire, is gossip. Right? We all know that Spreading gossip can be a dangerous, dangerous thing and very destructive. And it's hard to deal with. It's actually a hard thing to deal with. I had a situation at work. um, I like to, I'm a social guy. (laughs) And I like to go and uh, the guys that work out in our shop, on break, I would go hang out with them and just shoot the breeze and talk because I'm a relational kind of guy that likes to do that. But what continued to happen was constant, constant gossip. Like within three seconds of everybody sitting down, it was just like a switch went off. And sometimes I would try to just sit there and quietly listen and be like, okay. And every once in a while, I'd make a comment. But in reality, there are times when you just need to step away when it's something that you're just not gonna be able to stop. You can try and put your two cents in and try and say, you know what, this isn't, but sometimes it's, it's okay to walk away from those situations. So we've established that we can't do it on our own. The question is, now what? What are we gonna do about it? And as we mentioned, the hard reality is It's about us. It's just about us. We need to deal with our hearts. When it comes to trying to cause, trying to find the cause of conflict, I have a suggestion, and I'm talking to myself, like I said, as much as I'm talking to you. We need to stop looking outside of ourselves. Stop looking at others. Stop justifying the things we say because of how others act and what they do. We need to look inside our own hearts because that's where the problem lies. Let's read from Matthew 5:44. Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. You know This verse has been very meaningful for me, and it continues to keep popping up. God is challenging us. Jesus is challenging us to pray for those people that we have conflict with, to, to pray for them. I have a lot of examples I've shared with a lot of people here, actually, of times when I've had something where I've just had an issue with somebody. And when I go to pray about it, you know... My first initial response is, change that person, right? And God keeps changing me. Over and over again, when I pray, I specifically, I I, I like going on prayer walks, I specifically go out and I'll just stop praying for that person. And over time, I look back and I'm like, hey, that attitude that I had, that's actually not there anymore. And... Guess what? God can change that other person, too. I've had people uh, in work situations that I had issues with that were like my, my champion when it came to defending me in situations. So that's the challenge I have for you today, is to pray for them. Pray for those people around you that you have those problems with. Ask God to reveal your invisible scars to you. Ask him to see the situation from that other person's perspective. Because in reality, yeah, you have hurts. Guess what? So does everybody else. So do the people that you have conflict with. We need wisdom. We need to see things from his perspective when it comes to those other people and their hearts and their hurts. The good news is that he forgives us for this stuff. He has a lot of grace. He knows that this is not easy for us. So are we going to fall short? Yeah. We're going to fall short. Is his grace sufficient for our shortcomings? Yes, it absolutely is. And this morning, as we take some time have communion, I think this is a really good opportunity for us to step back and look at our hearts, to see those areas, those hidden scars, those things that we might have, those hurts that we might have, those things that we have said to others that we need to deal with. God wants us to come before him with a clean conscience when we come to communion. So I just want to challenge all of us today as we do that this morning that you take that time to stop, reflect, think about the things you said, think about those hurts, and make sure that things are clear between you and that person. If you need to go ask for forgiveness, I challenge you to do that. Let's make sure our hearts are clear before him. Let's pray. Jesus, Father, as we discussed this morning, the reality is that this is hard. Saying the right thing is a hard thing for us to do. We've had so many hurts. We've had so many things. Our defenses get built up. The walls get built up. And we react instead of stopping and thinking. We truly and desperately need you father and we thank you so much that you're patient that your love extends and pours over all of our shortcomings all those things that we said that we wish so desperately that we could get back His grace is there for us this morning we thank you so much lord in jesus name amen